This episode is powered by SoRare through Rug Radio. This is our weekly Rug Radio SoRare episode. I hope you enjoy. It's an amazing one. SoRare, we'll have more on that later, but they're doing something incredible that's never been done before, taking fantasy sports and collectibles and putting them together. Enjoy the rest of the podcast. We'll talk more about SoRare in a bit. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back into the Buster Show podcast. Today, we have the legend, Jesse, on the show. For more information on Jesse, listen to this podcast. Jesse, how are you doing, my friend? Doing good, man. Like I was telling you, a little sore right now, but uh, yeah, I'm doing good. <laughs> well, I'm I'm glad you're doing good. And sore, you know, it's a good thing in the long run. You know, um, one thing that I, I think about a lot is doing at least a couple things every day that you never regret in the long run. So that in retrospect, at least you had some, some good things every single day that compound and that's, you're doing it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the key. I've even been looking into uh, how we were just talking about um, walking when you're, when you're, you know, you're beat up from your other sports you do. But uh, I think swimming, I've never been a swimmer, but I think that would be great to have in your arsenal for days that you can't really run or box or do shit. Just like go do some laps. Cause I think you can all pretty much always go for a swim. Yeah. I have so much respect for the older women that do long distance swimming in oh. California. Oh my goodness. I tried it one time. One of the most difficult things I've ever done in my life and I'll run long distance, you know, I'll walk, super long distance i'll sprint but whew, it is harder than people think oh yeah dude i'm like i'm like a wet dog when you put me in the water i don't know what i'm doing man i, I just <laughs> really keep my head out of the water i'm a shitty swimmer but yeah so let me ask you this what what gets you the most fired up right now like what when you you look at your schedule during the week what is the thing that you're most looking forward to that's so hard I mean, if I'm looking at work-wise, I, th I think just the position I put myself in now is that I can have that feeling for a million things, not just one thing, you know? Like, I think that's the part that I love is that I love the, the concept of what I'm building for this company, but I love how it also can touch any angle. Um, there's there's so many routes I can take with it. Like, like just this discussion this week about doing a magazine, like an actual printed mag, um, it's like, it's like super interesting. It's like, well, like, like I've always thought that that would be so dope to get into. And I'm kind of looking at the business model now and seeing if it makes sense. But like, yeah, it's just, I think every week there's a new surprise. So I'm talking to someone new. I'm excited about something new, or I'm excited about a, a current project that's, you know, at a different stage of development that maybe I haven't experienced or um, it, it's honestly all exciting. I don't, I don't really work on anything I'm not excited about. That's great. And when you say this company, you're referring to Sunday? Yes. Yeah. Sunday. And for those uninitiated, how would you describe Sunday to somebody? Um, Sunday is basically a creative agency. Um, you, in a, you know, you could slap that name on it and make it sound like it's really important and professional, but um, it's, it's basically just an incubator for a lot of projects all underneath this brand. And, uh, all the projects that we work on in-house for our company. Um, we're also kind of, you know, choosing clients that, that we want to help them with the same route. So whether it's merchandising or manufacturing or sourcing product development side, or it's on the, um, you know, production side of uh, media and, um, and projects we want to do in-house, we're also like going to our clients and being like, well, we have a great idea for a commercial. Let's put it together. We have a great idea for a new YouTube series. We have a great idea for, and got a script for a show that we want to go pitch to Amazon, you know? So it's, um, it's basically just, because it's always, and not to make this a longer answer than it needs to be, but I've just, the reason that why I'm doing this too, is that I find it very weird that you can be an expert, you can be an expertise in all of these angles you have to do to create, um, say a streetwear brand or to say, create a studio. So you're doing that all for your company, but if you're actually good at what you're doing, then why are you not also like doing that for other people that can help keep the lights on, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's this perfect world of building a team um, to work on your own projects while having clients help fund the team um, 
and kind of sharing the talent across the board, you know? So I've, I've had this theory and you might find it interesting, but I believe that, so like all the big ad agencies that have been around for 50, 60, 70 years, most of the people at those agencies haven't actually created things for themselves, uh, haven't built media companies, haven't built, you know, personal brands and where this, where, how that led me to this theory is that I think that the creators of today and yesterday will actually be the ones doing it for every brand in the future, because which would you choose if you had two options? Would you choose the person that built a giant brand, media brand or personal brand, or would you choose the person that hasn't? And to me, that answer is very clear. Yeah, I, I agree with that statement, man. I think that, uh, it's the same way when I'm looking at a resume of someone, it's, it's kind of like what you're already saying, but am I going to be more interested in the person that has proof that he's built this before and built a version of this and had success? Or am I going to more look at the person that's studied or been taught how to do this? You know, it's like, I, I mean, I never went to college. I technically yeah. didn't graduate high school. So like, <laughs> I, I, just, I just have like a, I, I look at the whole especially with say Nelk, right? It's like Nelk and Full Send was like eight years of university teaching me how to do all these fields and how to maneuver in the in this industry. So yeah, there's yeah. no better, no better way than to actually do the thing. Um, yeah. But your angle then is going to be so different. This was this is how I came to and I, I don't talk too much about it publicly other than sometimes here on the podcast. But so I built up this basketball media company called Hoops Nation, and I built up personal brand and then you know done a bunch of stuff with a bunch of other companies uh, and have super specific knowledge in a couple areas. So the answer was quite clear, which was, oh, we can help the companies in this, you know, in this area, which is collectibles, uh, you know, in ways that nobody else had had the specific knowledge plus experience to do so. And yeah. it's it's super cool to see you doing it on in your way because you know there is only one person with the experiences that you have uh and you know sort of ability to build around that. How did you how did you come to the conclusion that this was what you wanted to do? Um well I'm a I'm a bit of a I don't know if the words workaholic is a, a good term, but I think that I'm just, I, I can't shut my brain off on doing projects or creating stuff or getting ideas. Um, it's the same way when I was a young kid and I was a skateboarder, like you, you drive around and you don't see like stairs into a church building. You see a handrail and a seven set, you know, like it was just like embedded in my brain to see it this way. And I, I think I sometimes use that as like, you know, an analogy for how I see everything now. If I go for a walk, if I do anything, I'm looking at a magazine. If I'm watching a movie, I just can't help but to be like, oh, like, what's my twist on this? How can I like take this information and build something with it? So when I, when I, you know, I, I exited my uh, last company, Nelk Full Send, um, I, I definitely was, you know, chilling enough to just take a break or or relax or just, you know, took care of the family, took care of me and can just, enjoy life now and it just there was something about it that like it just isn't enough like I, I to enjoy life I have to keep doing stuff um and keep creating and uh and this was the best route that I could figure out how to how to do that um and I think I'm building it so that I'm not you know burning a lot of money to keep creating new things I I'm kind of like letting my uh my team and my talent pay for me to keep creating so that I can, uh, like I said, I'm, I'm not really trying to get like really rich doing this. I'm just like trying to like fill that need that I have to keep doing, um, and, uh, and balance it out. That's amazing. And the agency model when done right, is like the, it's the best possible example in the world because you can, you can have a bunch of clients that cover the overhead and build personal on top of it. I get it. it makes perfect sense. Yeah. Um, where do you see things in 10 years or where do you want, want to see things? I mean, there's lots of routes this can go. Um, I think the coolest thing that I'm seeing happen here as it grows is uh, there like kind of like what we you stated at the start there, where there's just something really cool with this, um, this young energy here that uh, looks at the world completely different, looks at marketing different, looks at, business as a whole different than 
you know, your, your generic agency or just like older heads that have been doing this stuff. And, um, and it just like, I feel like I'm messing up how to answer this, but, uh, there, there's something cool happening with like every project we're tackling and, and who our competition is, is like, it's not even close because they haven't like, they're not in it and they're not, they haven't lived it and they haven't built in it. And they have like, they're not aware of how things actually work. Um, and I just think that that's like the coolest part. It's just this like young creative energy here. And, uh, and we get a new client, we get a new connection, we get a new product we want to do. And just watching everyone kind of like use their, their mind and their expertise to all come together and like build this amazing product. Um, yeah. What I think so interesting about like even the last couple of years, but COVID sort of disrupted things, but the next couple of years, this is the first time where people have been able to hire people who grew up with social media because those people are now exiting college or they figured it out on their own and, and didn't go to college. Um, and that has never been true. So before the people that were running, you know, social digital agencies, et cetera, did not grow up using the technology. And that's a completely different relationship with the thing. So I think the next few years are going to be crazy on that front. Oh yeah. Just like when we were, we were chatting about, uh, that video you made about like prime and like all this stuff, like it, we were even just looking at the octagon and the UFC and you're slowly going to just see those, those old brands leave. And then those, like how many like younger creator brands are going to be on that octagon or going to be on ESPN or going to be in the commercials on TV. If it even is TV anymore, which is already becoming YouTube and all these companies, like these people that I grew up making videos with and doing collabs with, like are all basically becoming the studios of today, you know, like they are becoming the Paramount and the Walt Disney, like, like literally Mr. Beast is Disney. You know what I yeah, mean? Mr. Like, Beast, like he is Walt Disney. Yeah. Like it's, it's not, you know, the most subscribed YouTube channel. It's not that it's, it's so much bigger than that. Um, But I, I do think that it's like, we're past that point of it shifting. Like it's, it's, everyone knows now that this is where, what what is happening and who has the power and uh and, and and who has the knowledge which is the most important part like when it comes to this uh like i've seen i've also seen some pretty big brands in the space who um hire you know the the guys that have made documentaries or been in production or producers that have done it for 30 years but they don't know how to do it in in this new style they don't know how to uh spend the money the right way and and you know simple things like thumbnail title and and what makes the show actually good and great and retention and yeah it's just it's crazy um even when i look at who i who i like download information from who do i like sitting down with and talking with when it comes to this stuff like especially on the production end um it's 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 a whole new world like you have to have created something in the last five to ten years to really understand this like new industry, I think. Sure, sure. What do you think gives creator brands the advantage in that area? Well, I, I think they have all they have all the power because they have the the audience already. Um, I think there was also a period there where people were going to YouTubers that were really big and being like, hey, you really have some here. Let's we want to pilot a show with you and pitch it to Netflix or pitch it to uh, Fox or whatever. Right. And there, I think yeah. it, there was, it's kind of silly. It's like, why are you taking this person that has crazy face IP on uh, a face IP value on YouTube and then putting it on another platform where maybe that platform doesn't know who they are when really like they should just be like working with the platform that has the audience. Like it, we, we've been talking about this in house here and uh there's definitely a business model where like, like picture Paramount, picture Disney, picture all these companies, instead of doing what I just explained, why aren't they going to these massive, you know, 10 million plus subscriber YouTube channels and producing a show for them for their channel and then owning equity in that show? Like that to me makes so much more sense. Like, like if, if Paramount, you know, put a hundred million dollars a year into a digital program where they gave you know, 
10 to 12 really big YouTubers their own show on their own platform, but didn't let the YouTuber do the heavy lift of the production, kind of let them pilot produce the show, but then they do all the heavy lifting for them and fund it. Um, I think that they would see like a way bigger return that way um, and disrupt the market. I don't know what your thoughts on that is. The face IP term is great. I've never heard that term before. Um, I got that from uh, uh, Airac. Okay. Yeah, of course. He said that one time and, uh, and I feel like I've stolen it and now I'm overusing it, but, uh, it, it's true. Like, um, someone can have like face IP on YouTube, but not have face IP on Instagram or someone can have right. face IP on, you know, Netflix, but not have it on the internet. Like it, it really matters when you try to take someone, put a bunch of money into it and then put them on another platform that they're not big on. It's not going to really work for you you have to think about um where their face like adds value you know where does it bring in like the views sure sure and also in what format like it's why you have some tiktokers with 100 million followers that can't get 10,000 views on a youtube video yeah you know and that's in that there's a lot of you know minutia nuance there uh you know I think in in terms of the creator brands overall, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. In terms of the Paramount or Fox concept, it would make a ton of sense. I would be curious as to how it would perform compared to the YouTube YouTubers video because their styles are so unique. Like, yeah. and I think this has been proven. And I'll, I'll give an example, right? Like, take uh, Emma Chamberlain, right? Her vlogs incredibly popular. Basically, created a niche for herself. Then Vogue took her and was like her plus Met Gala plus celebrities. And it worked that that model works. And I think that's a great example of, you know, brand partnership with creator done to perfection. Um, I don't think anybody could do what Mr. Beast and Eric do better than Mr. Beast and Eric on the production side. So I would be curious. I feel like there's some middle ground there where this could play out really well. But I think also these traditional companies can't afford the biggest creators. Like I, Mr. Beast charges five to 10 million for an ad in a video. Like, I think it's less about, hey, we're coming in. We got this show concept. We're going to produce it. You're just going to be the face of it. It's more like, like you've see you've heard of probably about how Mr. Beast's team and you know Eric's team like I've I've shot a video with Eric and I saw how they run like it's a full production but I'm just I'm thinking there's more of a a different relationship where maybe like maybe it's like some organization maybe it's bigger budgets maybe it's like more soldiers that um don't need to worry about retention and concept and thumbnail title idea like let the creator still work with them and have that twist just having having these companies um somehow like do a lot of the lift for them that could help them um yeah. in some way just because like i mean even if paramount spent a hundred million dollars to do a show uh for a year running on mr beast's channel but it's brought to you by like paramount like that show would be a smash hit if if, if you do have mr beast like coming up with the concept with them and stuff you yeah. know like just somehow like they could I, i'm just i'm just bringing it up because like how much value is it for paramount to spend 100 million on what like maybe three shows for that year like that would probably cover like for the amount of the budget that they spend into how much does that actually like return how much like do they disrupt the industry with that it's just there's there's something there they have a lot of money and they have a lot of employees and they have like the organization down for how to build like a good production company. It's just, they almost need Mr. Beast more than like Mr. Beast would need them. So I think that's yeah. kind of what you're saying. So I, I, I totally get it. I think there are like three or four angles to look at that from, right? One is they're a publicly traded company. So they have shareholders. Their shareholders want to see future projections and them experimenting with things while giving steady returns. If they were to yeah. do a partnership like that, it would interest investors being like, oh, okay, they're not run by a bunch of old people. They're thinking about this the right way. And then that could have positive returns. Then you have the actual economic result, which is they're in video ads, their video ads, the IP value long-term, they can syndicate that across their TV channels as well, which surprisingly still do have a lot of value. 
and uh and and then you also have like other ad reads through you know throughout in video sponsorships like the same way that you know in movies when you see a coca-cola on the table it's not there by accident um you know so like those sorts of things as well and then there's uh there's like the relationship with the creator, which could pay off tenfold. You know, we see this in the music industry all the time, right? Where a label, you know, says that we think this guy has a, a bright future. We're going to, you know, invest hundred. It's the same way angel investing works, right? You invest in 10 companies. One of them blows up and pays for all the rest. In this example, it's three already gigantic creators, but this concept could be replicated for 20 or 30 smaller creators and then taking that, that risk as well. It would be yeah, interesting. It would be interesting. Works better with the, you know, 10 million subscriber channels that you would vet through that do need the, they, they do need budgets and they do need like production help, but they, but they still want to use their twist. There's just something about using their audience. Like I'm picturing these companies doing this for say a year contract, building a huge audience for this show. And then maybe being like, hey, this is only available on Paramount now. Now that there's like, you know, five, 10 million people watching every episode. They kind of tried to do this with like Hot Ones. It didn't Hot Ones go to, uh, someone picked it up. I don't know if it like, it, it obviously still lives on YouTube, but it branched onto something they did. But yeah, I don't know so for, First We Feast is owned by Complex, which is owned by BuzzFeed. Um mm. So I don't I don't know the nuance of how that deal went down. I know there are some fun like little contract things with with Sean, like how he can't talk about chicken anywhere. <laughs> oh really? Yeah, I don't I don't know what the what the nuances of there are. I just remember hearing something funny in passing. Um, but yeah, that's a really interesting concept. That would be so savage if you built up a ten million follower like intense show, uh, and then and then took it away. Yeah. Or like, I mean, yeah, that's like the, uh, it's like OnlyFans, right? You post like a teaser and then you get them to go buy the thing. It's just like, oh, yeah. the, this is like the television version. It's funny. But it, it might go against what I'm saying too. Cause then it's like the second you pull it away, you're now putting it on a platform that the audience isn't at. But I guess their, their whole goal, right? With these streaming networks is like, how do we get an audience to come over to our platform and pay X amount of dollars a month? And I, there, there's just, I, I don't know. I can't help but to think that there's just so many creative ways to do that, you know, like mixing the world that like I'm probably from and, and the world they're from. And, uh, and, and there's just a lot of money there that I think is being used incorrectly. Um, but like, well, I'm not saying there's anything wrong. It's just, I it's guess what can happen. Yeah, I guess if we zoom out a little bit, so it was radio and radio had ads and then it turned into TV and TV had ads. There were no streaming platforms. There was no internet. Then the yeah. internet comes along uh, and there, there are DVDs. You can order DVDs over the internet. That then turns into Netflix. Netflix is like the first big streaming platform, but people say that'll never take over TV. Then TV, uh, you know, sports, you know, set all the records, still do. Yeah. Uh, then YouTube comes along and YouTube is the first platform to give random people like you and I a chance to like make money basically without, you know, having to sign a terrible deal with like a traditional company at a young age where they own you or, or the intellectual property you create. Um, and then you end up with like a Dave Chappelle situation, but uh, yeah. And then there was a point in time where people were like, okay, TV's dying. The internet's taking over. Now the, the models are going to change. We got to go all in on streaming. Streaming to my understanding has not been profitable for mo for like, it's not profitable for Disney. It's not profitable for a lot of the biggest companies. So maybe the model is broken and the actual model is in more content and in video integration on the YouTube platforms. I don't know. What do you think about that? yeah maybe maybe that's maybe that's part of the business model like where if one of these companies that like 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 netflix or paramount i keep saying but like or something but like they obviously have like billions of dollars right and it's like where if they had a bought 50 percent of mr beast as an example five years ago you know or like like 
is there a streaming platform that's investing into that and like looking at it that way? Like, or maybe grabbing the the next Mr. Beast, maybe like, you know, 10 to 100 creators with five to 10 million subs and onto something like buying portions of their channels. I think like that's what I'm going back to what you were saying about like who has the power. I think that like we're going to see a shift where like, like all of that money is going to go towards these people that are, that have the audiences. Cause I think like TV networks, like had the power because they had the audiences and, and the audience transfers to views and the views transfer to ad dollars. And it's like, that's the switch that's happening. And I just, I'm curious to see when, like, it's going to take what we're talking about to actually switch it, to actually be like, no, the money is in these guys' hands. They, they, they have totally. the power. They have the audience. Um, I, I mean, I look at like, I don't watch a lot of TV in general. I'm more of a movie guy. Um, but, uh, but if I am going to watch any kind of TV, it's, it's, you know, Apple TV going to YouTube and you're watching like, you know, podcast clips or the MMA fight from the night before, like whatever, like you're just watching, like I treat YouTube almost like when I was a kid and I'd open up the guide menu and put on like, I mean, it's probably different because I'm from Canada, but like YTV or like whatever, okay. the comedy yeah. central or something but so i guess the question is if all if if we all everybody knows that the money is going to go to creators the question is how does it go to the creators right does it go to the creators through brands does it go to the creators through something that's i guess more akin to a traditional label partnership which would be a giant company is giving you a check up front in exchange for a percentage of earnings over a period of time or in perpetuity for the content that you create under that contract. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think like I was saying about if you gave if someone bought Mr. Beast half of his company five years ago, he would have been became at the level he's at right now, probably, you know, 75% faster. Like, cause, cause he had it, you know, like he knew what he was doing, but maybe he didn't have all the funds. He didn't have the team. He didn't have all the production figured out. He knew what worked and he knew what thumbnail title worked and he knew how to make retention and all that. But like, I think that's where it's going to change. And it's like these, these like YouTube networks or these YouTube creators and people with audiences are going to get these big checks so that they can scale quicker. And um, I mean, like even, you know, being in the position I'm in, like, I'm always on the lookout for like trying to find that that next person or that next concept or someone's audience that I think like this could be so much bigger if they just scaled it and uh and then and and working with them, you know. Um it, it's pretty crazy if you if like like I don't think that's that that's really ever happened. Like I don't know, has it like has a, a YouTuber ever been like bought out by a, a studio? Well, or pardon, pardon, pardon. So there, there's a few, there's a few points there. Uh, I think the problem, if it's just you, is your. For a lot of creators, I think the motivation is directly tied to the success of their videos and the monetization aspect of it. So if yeah. you take away the incentive, then you have nothing left. And if you're reliant on them to create that, that's why it would have to be, a big enough amount to make a difference, but a small enough percentage to keep them equally or more incentivized, right? Yeah, 100%. yeah that makes sense. And I th I mean, even like when I did started doing Sunday, that's why um, I am trying to keep in the back of my mind that like, I do want, I want, I mean, people can know who created it, but like, I'm not trying to create a brand around my face, you know, like I, I've done that before and I, I've seen how I've also seen how selling companies like that, valuating companies like that. It doesn't like building a brand is, is like you're the value is just so much more. I mean, even, even in my position, right. If I was going to go um, buy someone's YouTube channel or like partner with them or invest into them, it is a risky investment. Like it's, it's on that person's will to keep grinding, keep coming up with great ideas, keep making videos. It all relies on them. Also on a risk standpoint of like, where if that person gets canceled, where if that person, like, it's like the whole thing can, the whole investment could just flop over and overnight, yeah. you know? So you don't, you don't know if society is going to decide that since that person likes the New York Knicks, they're now canceled in five years. You just, yeah. you never know. 
You never yeah. know. <laughs> Taking a quick break here for a second to talk more about our sponsor, SoRare. SoRare has been doing something insane over the last couple of years, taking two pillars of sports, which is fantasy sports and sports collectibles, and combining them together in a way where everybody can play, have fun, build your collection, uh, win prizes, win money, and sell your collection for money. It's really never been done like this before. Definitely check it out. Use the link in the description here on the podcast uh, and get signed up. Get 20 free common cards when you join and then a free limited card when you buy five on the secondary. It's pretty cool too because the cards don't you know, necessarily expire. You can use your cards for longer uh, and you know, unlike back in the day when you would have a baseball card, you know, regardless of how well that player played, that card would not produce a, another card for you. If you had a LeBron James rookie card, that LeBron James rookie isn't going to give you a Dwayne Wade and a Carmelo Anthony rookie. But now with so rare, it actually does. And I want you guys to see it firsthand. Uh, it's pretty cool. And I'm very grateful to SoRare for sponsoring this podcast in partnership with Rug Radio. Uh, so shout out to Rug Radio and SoRare. Check it out. You don't want to miss it. I'll see you there. Peace. Enjoy the podcast. <laughs> uh, how do you go about evaluating like early creator talent? Like, What is it that catches your eye about somebody that, and you're like, oh, if they scale that, they can become huge? I think you can tell a lot from uh, someone's comment section. Um, and it's not necessarily like, um, hey, this guy only has 100,000 followers, but he's getting 5,000 comments. It's like, I mean, sure, that's the first thing you want to look at. But like, it's also about, you can just tell when someone has a, a bit of a cult following. Like they just have this, like whatever they've done, whatever story they've kind of like sold or just per, per, persuade on to their audience, people are just like, they got their claws in. They're like, no, like till, till this goes to the ground, like I'm, I'm a ride or die for this. And uh, I think you've seen like, I mean, even in the Nelk days, we definitely um, built an audience that was very, and I think it was about the story, right? Like it was, we didn't make money on YouTube. Um, we were like just two Canadian guys who came to LA and tried to grind this out. We were shooting three videos a week. Um, everything was for the audience and and they wanted to see us win. And, and uh, it created this like, really really strong engaged audience that you know when we go to a merch drop can have three hundred thousand people with credit cards waiting to like buy our stuff and uh and it was crazy but like i think you see the same thing with like um danny duncan and like um i don't know what other good uh another good example is but just like these certain creators that you just see and you can just tell like they are riding along with this creator or this company, like no matter what they do um, and, and what they sell and what they make and what they produce. They're just like, they're, they're bought into like that person's vision, um, which I think is like the coolest thing ever. Like, uh, yeah. Cause you don't really get like, you can kind of be like, Oh, I really get this like network networks or studio, like the kind of stuff they make like a 24. That's another example of like, like I really like a 24 and everything that they do. But like there isn't like a like a face or a, a thing that you're like, oh, it's all coming. It's all funneling from this person. But yeah, I would say A24 is probably the closest to like there isn't a face for me, but there's like a, I, I trust it. They like they have a certain um, um, like meter of like if if they will push something through or not. Like it's just the, like the quality is right there um, for, for me, at least. Yeah, but. That's a cool concept of the trade-off though, because like we were just saying, there's more risk when you have a personality, but there's also more reward when you do it right. Like take yeah. uh, Mr. Beast's chocolate bar versus Hershey's. People yeah. aren't camping outside, you know, trying to buy, you know, or getting excited about buying a Hershey's bar. You've always been able to do that. There's no, there's nothing special about it. Whereas yeah. people are fired up about Mr. Beast bar, even if it doesn't taste as good, or even if it does, that's irrelevant. Yeah. Um, so that's like, that's the reward for doing it right. But there's incredibly more risk on the other side, which is why building a really good brand that can be separated from the creator is probably most valuable long-term. Yeah. That, I think that was the, uh, when we were talking about like why I started Sunday, I think like there's, there's a lot of takeaway and thing, things I've learned over the years that 
made me want to really, really put a lot of work into a brand concept more than just like, what do I as Jesse want to do on camera? And what do like, what kind of videos do I want to make? It's more like, kind of like looking at brands like A24 and stuff and being like, what, what, what's like the bar that I want to set for everything, every client work we do, every in-house like brand we drop and every piece of content that I'm a part of is like, it's not about just pushing a lot out. It's about like a certain quality and a certain vibe that I think is cool or I think is like entertaining or, um, you know, like just something that like, it has to always resonate with me even if people don't know that it's resonating with me, it's just resonating with Sunday, you know, mm-hmm. uh, I, I'm sure that there, there's gotta be someone like, as we're using a 24 as an example, there is, there's, there's gotta be someone that's kind of like, unless it's a brand guide or something that they're following, like it's gotta be funneling the one person. Cause I, I think that's the issue, right. With studios and stuff is you have, you know, a hundred people making decisions and then it's, it's hard to control the output of what's getting put out and, what's getting monetized and what's getting produced, what's getting greenlit. Um, it's kind of the scariest part of it all. I mean, th- there is some uh, um, like resemblance in why I even like wanted to kind of start Sunday and why I sold my last company. It's just th- something happens when something gets too big. It just like, you can't control those things. And, um, and, and then that's connected to purpose. Cause you know, like you want to be passionate and, and, um, um, uh, I forget the word. Um, you want to like really enjoy and, and, and be proud of the things that you're creating, you know? Totally. It's also, it's similar with like the law of large amounts of money, right? It's a lot easier to make a lot of money when you're talking about smaller amounts, like millions of dollars. But as Warren Buffett always says, it's much more difficult as you get hundreds of billions of dollars to have any sort of returns. So that concept definitely could apply over to a uh, company size or uh i think it's actually the opposite with social following but with company size that may be true with with social followings it's like it's it applies more to like a compounding concept right just more yeah. and more people word of mouth algorithms watch times people sending it people sharing it you know then once you hit a certain point people are writing stories about you because anything you do is noteworthy if Mr. Beast, the way that he has his seven, 10 different channels, you know, languaged into 30, 20, 10 different languages, I don't know how many he does, but that's that's interesting because it's all his style, but I'm sure it's different people producing it. And there's no way that he actually hand touches every single piece of content that goes out. Um, but again, it is all still his face IP, as you said. I think what he's doing, um, if I ever learned something from that is that he's I'm just going to use the word pilot producing, but like he's pilot producing these channels. So he's, he's probably involved in the concept and the idea. And then in the first few episodes um, to really nail it down. And then his job or his, you know, really close team that he trusts is like um, perfecting and training the teams to keep the same style and format and, um, so it's almost like other versions of Mr. Beast are working on these projects. And, uh, and, and it's the same thing here at Sunday. Like we like, we, we had three employees, you know, six months ago when we started and maybe we're at like six, it's like, I'm, and, I, and there's so many things that we could scale, but like, it's probably the hardest part, like to, to keep that, that quality control is, yeah. um, I spend most of my time either, um, you know, bringing visions to life, um, just from mind to paper, or I am in meetings, or I am just training. I'm just training, training, training. I'm sitting with teams, and I and I'm always figuring out a new thing in the company with the whole team, so that they're constantly seeing like, how am I even troubleshooting this situation? How am I building this from idea to deck to client to sold to production to you know what I mean? Like. How am I taking this concept in my brain and and passing it through all these like um, ropes? So um, yeah, off of that, how do you deal with delegation and hiring, I guess, goes akin to that? um, I'd say it's still a learning curve. I I think it's going to take me like 10 years to figure that out like fully. It's it's the hardest part of business, I think. 
Um, especially if your goal isn't just money. Um, I think that can be a little easier because it's just like, it's just data. You just got to look at like what's working and what's not. But um, when you're talking about creative, uh, I think for our process, what we've been doing a lot of, and I mean, even like, um, you know, one of my like main dudes, Tyler, he was here for like probably longest and um, he's now running the whole product development side and, you know, uh, working with all our clients and our in-house brands and building those teams. But uh, he, he flew out here on his own dime from Michigan got an Airbnb for a month and had no pay. And, and, you know, like I'm, I'm a very fair person. I always, I make sure everyone can eat and if we win, everyone wins. But I think it was the best way to, to show if someone's going to be a hard worker and how dedicated they are and how much they actually like fuck with the whole vision that we're doing here. Um, because I mean, it was just, it was just a no pay thing, come over a month and like, this is what I want you to do. And I want you to soak up stuff. And I, I couldn't even get to seven days without giving him a salary because he proved himself. You know what I mean? So, and, and, we, and we've been kind of like repeating that method with a lot of um, new hires, especially with um, uh, brand managers for the clients we have. Um, it, it's just, and it's working. People are like, they see the whole picture. They get what we're trying to do here. And they're willing to come out here and prove to, prove to me and prove to the team, like what they're, what they're capable of doing. And, and then you know, the second that I feel like this is a good fit, it's like, yeah, you're, you're getting paid and you're going to get paid. Well, you know, that's awesome. Yeah. So basically what you're doing is helping a ton of different clients build out their shows, brands, concepts, using everything that you've done and built with Sunday. And then you're also building brands personally on top of that, using a lot of the same teams. Yes, exactly. So the, the business model, um, which we're getting pretty close to is the the retainers and the clients, um, you know, money will basically break even our, all our fixed costs, you know, salaries and the warehouse and et cetera. Um, and, and we haven't even touched like the benefits of our projects, our brands, uh, percentages of brands, projects that are going to roll out. Like, I think it's going to put us in a really, really healthy position to, uh, to, um, not be burning money just to get to a point where we're not burning money and then we can reap all the rewards of all our all our own stuff and all the percentages and then use that money to then scale properly and um and also then jump on the other hundred projects that i have like kind of stored away in my office that because i because i'm really bad for that i'll come up with ideas and i'll, I'll write the whole yeah. plan out and i can't help it i'll just i got to get it from my brain to paper but what i've been learning lately is uh you don't have to press play on everything. Like you got to press play on things when they make sense. So as, as we hit certain bars um, in funding or um, in uh, scaling of the team that can actually handle a new project, we'll introduce that project at the right time. If that makes sense. Um, yeah. Yeah. That makes perfect sense. Go open us. I was looking at doing like a Sunday MMA gym. We're looking at a Sunday coffee shop. We're looking at uh, um, the magazine. Like I was saying, there's like a lot of these projects that I think, there, there's a perfect, there's no, there's no problem with planning those things out sure. and, and seeing what they'll cost, what they'll run, what's the business model. And then, um, and then strategic, I always fuck up this word strategically, strategically. I have the worst fucking pronounce, pronounce I can't even pronounce. pronounce <laughs> you're good. Uh, we, we know, I know exactly what you're saying. No, it makes perfect sense. Super exciting. Yeah. It's got, it kind of reminds me. And I feel like a lot of creatives are like this. You just have a million ideas and you can't do it all at once, but it's sort of like looking at, a at new houses on online. It's like, well, you might, you can't live everywhere at once, but yeah. you know, there's the good thing is we're all young, you know, and, uh, yeah. Well, I like that my, I I'm obsessed with creating new ideas and that's my like obsession i feel like there's a lot of like unhealthy obsessions that i could have had or maybe i've had in the past that like sure. i've replaced with these so as much as i can uh piss my team off a lot by fucking jumping into a new project they're like it's better than being the guy that yeah like oh i found a new sports car i want to buy or i found a new like you know what i mean like my two things are projects yeah. and 
I'm addicted to just starting those things like all the time. Hey, those things, uh, those things tend to compound like, uh, you know, they are businesses at the end of the day. So, and you'll be able to do everything. There's no reason that you won't be able to, but I'm with you. It's very difficult to, uh, put things aside temporarily. Uh, it's probably one of the more painful things in, in business or entrepreneurship or creativity. Yeah. It's, I, I see it as like my biggest currency now, um, that I'm not really, focused on money anymore I'm, I'm I like for me it's all purpose and I think that you know these projects that I get really excited about or these hobbies that I um you know consume my life are like the things that they those are the things that give me purpose so like that is the the and, and it's good to have a a bunch of those stored away because like you said we have a long life to live you don't have to do them all right now you can like there's a perfect like making a movie I've like always wanted to write a movie and do all that but like there, there's going to be a time where I'm going to be you know in a cabin in my 40s and I'm going to be up there for 12 months and I can just sit there and actually like write a movie like not be yeah. not working on this and dealing with clients and running this company and hiring this person it's like no I'm going to like write a movie for two years in this cabin like I, I'm excited for all those like stages in my life you know you know, it's funny too, like the more I think about it from, from talking here, uh, and I think this might even be a good point to close on, but it's like, you are pioneering a new life for a creator, because as we all know, being a creator is not sustainable over years, let alone decades. Um, yeah. But the, the success of a creator might be that it puts them in a position where they don't have to wor worry about money and yeah. they can build a business with yeah. the knowledge that they have from doing that. And I can't think of that many examples that were on YouTube as early as you were and built a brand. So I think it's, uh, I was reading an article earlier about this, this YouTuber that I don't remember what niche he was in, but he decided to go part-time and go back to being a software engineer. And like, I think that is so amazing because the way the internet likes to talk about creators is like either you're making a hundred million dollars a year or you're making nothing, but yeah. there's a lot of in between there, you know, yeah. and things that can create opportunities like people taking brand deals with companies they really like in part equity or getting rev share on product products that they launch with giant companies or creating their own products. And then there's, you know, a step further, which I think is probably an example of what you're doing, which is building all of the above out under one umbrella post, you know, creating personal content, which I think, I think is pretty cool. Dude, thank you. And I appreciate you saying that, that, uh, it was cool to hear that. I think that that got me thinking about. It's funny because when I did the Sunday show, um, there was a lot of confusion. Obviously, it's a totally different, like, um, concept than what people that maybe have seen me on the internet doing. Um, it's a different version of me. It's it didn't make a lot of sense because we were figuring out the company and it's slowly finding its kind of floor for like an audience. Um, and it's something that we're not like even like trying to scale in any way. We're just I just, I, the original idea was just to keep the story going. And I've said this before, but it's, it's, it's just how it is. It's just like, I just want to keep the story going because of something that you even just said, it's like, who knows, maybe all of this could just be um, for other people that don't know how to uh, transition in life, whether, whether it is YouTube or it's living in your small town and you want to change, or it's, you know, a bad relationship, like whatever it is in your life, like it's like a, it's like, um, I think that's pretty cool to try to like, if there was a reason for me to still be on the internet, it's like uh, to show that message of like how to transition through life and, um, and how to make a pivot when a pivot should happen and, and, and how to make it a positive and not, a, not always a negative. Um, there's definitely a thing on the internet with this. Exactly. Like you're making all this money, you're, you're getting all these views. And if you're doing anything but that, you've like fell off and you should be depressed in this whole, it's like. In a, and in even a, when I, most people's businesses are entirely private. <laughs> yeah, that's, it's like, it's or maybe it has nothing to do with money or fame or nothing. It's just like, well, I've always wanted to do this thing where I backpack across the world for a year, like a year or five years or like, yeah. I've always wanted to go live in Thailand or like, you know what I mean? It's like, there's so many ways to look at what, 
what is happiness and what is success and um um yeah well, but I yeah think- to go back to what i was saying it's more yeah. about like, i think it's gonna be really cool over uh kind of the first question you asked about where do you see us in 10 years i just think um continue continuing the story is like the main part i think that, that that's gonna be a a really cool story to like find out what all this is going to mean, you know, for me. Totally. Yeah. I think the reason why, you know, people are, people are conditioned that way, like thinking, you know, like if somebody just wants to go be happy, that that's a failure, which is the most twisted concept ever. But I think the reason for that is being fed the headlines of like, oh, this is what you know, X creator, Y creator, Z creator made doing this. And this is, you know, George Clooney selling a billion dollars of tequila and, you know, you know, all that stuff. So they're like, oh, that's what's being shown. That means that that's great. But in reality, it's like uh, why negative stuff gets clicks. It's the same concept, just a hundred in a hundred different ways. And I think that the general perception is changing and will continue to change. And, uh, yeah, the internet made it so that if somebody wanted to, they could have a hundred different careers in their lifetime. And that's a it's a pretty cool thing. Oh yeah, super cool. Life is just a bunch of a bunch of chapters, man. And uh that's what that's what keeps us like engaged and happy, I think. It's just uh not looking at life as one big chapter. It's it's a bunch of them. And there's a whole bunch you haven't even opened up yet. And uh um j- just for like, you know, I'm like I think everyone goes through this too, where they like, they deal with a, a really downtime in their life or depression or whatever people um, want to call it. Like a lot of it is stemmed from that. It's this like, it's just purpose, man. You gotta like, you gotta have a reason to wake up every morning and keep doing it. And uh, I think that that's it. It's like having a thing in in the, in the, in the present, but like, also like, what are all the things that I'm going to be able to enjoy in the future? that keeps us kind of going. Yeah. You mentioned time earlier too. And, and, you know, also things along those lines being the currency. Some, I saw somebody say, um, if you could have a hundred million dollars today, but you couldn't wake up tomorrow, would you take it? No, that means your time is worth more than a hundred million dollars. And I think that's a, it's a, that's awesome. Yeah. hundred percent. I oh, think man. there's a lot of people that don't feel successful or they don't feel like fulfilled in their life and they also don't realize that there's so many beautiful things in their life that makes it special that all these people you see on the internet and this and like you said all we are we're either seeing all the really downs or we're seeing all the really ups no one's gonna have in between the guy just like living life but like or girl but um i i just think that like yeah people should just like stop and like be aware of like how great their life is in their scenario. Like there's so many little cases. Like I have so many friends that are just, you know, like a roofer, but he surfs every morning and he like, you know, walks to the beach and he just yep. like, it's like a beautiful life. Like it's just, it's like, you know, lives dollar to dollar, paycheck to paycheck. Like it's just, it, it, there's, there's so many things that could be like a happy life, you know? Totally. And at the end of the day, nobody can be you better than you are. So, you know, there's no competition anyways. Yeah. hundred percent, man. Cool. Great place to end it. I will include all of Jesse's info in the description. So check that out Sunday and everything else. Thank you so much for doing this, man. Anytime, man. I appreciate it. All right. See everybody next time. Peace.